Security is always top of mind, but never more so than in recent years, with a number of attacks directed at the Jewish community in America and abroad. Locally, we are challenged to balance legitimate security concerns with the goal of being an open and welcoming community. It takes effort, money, and planning to do both effectively. I'm Karen Scher, Vice President of Community Engagement for Federation. With me today on the Here for Good podcast is a person whose job it is to think a lot about security issues. Welcome, Scott Biondo, Federation's Director of Security. Scott, what are the main concerns about security do you hear from the community? Karen, the obvious concerns are the threats that come at us from anti-Semitism and hate. Unfortunately, there there are ideologies out there that target the Jewish community, and those ideologies often um, manifest themselves in actual physical attacks. As we know now, um, both the shooters at Tree of Life, uh, at Poway, California, at the Chabad in Poway, at the um, Jewish Delicatessen in Jersey City, and during services um, at in Monsey, New York, were all ideologically motivated attacks. Yes. Um, and what happens when you become aware of an event like what happened in Pittsburgh or in Muncie? What happens when you become aware? Like, what, do you, what is your first step of what you do? So we take every incident that occurs like this very seriously, and we take it seriously even on a local level. So it doesn't really matter in the Jewish world whether something occurs in Israel or it occurs in Mazi, New York, or Poway, California, it still could have implications here. There are people out there who actually watch these act, these attacks and actually refer to these attacks in their um, writings, manifestos. We know this to be a fact. We know, for instance, that the um, shooter in Poway, California, did in fact mention the Tree of Life shooter in some of his writings, as well as the Christ Church New Zealand shooter um, who attacked a mosque there. So we know that these guys are watching each other. Whether a copycat type of attack manifests itself immediately, um, someone looking for that catalyst to push them over the top, or you know even possibly uh, a conspiratorial attack where there are people that are that are poised to attack various locations maybe simultaneously that is also a concern of ours so we act immediately with regards to these we make sure that we provide information to the community um, instantaneously we actually have a program for reaching our orthodox community um, even on Shabbos so we have uh, assistance with law enforcement to reach out to that community uh, we have other systems in place our rave mass notification system that we use, as well as um, immediate contact with our law enforcement partners. So we absolutely began reaching out. We let them know that Federation is aware of the event, that we're closely monitoring that, that we're sharing intelligence uh, and, and both receiving intelligence from our law enforcement and federal partners. And we, uh, we begin to monitor. If we think that the threat is going to manifest itself locally, then we take actions locally. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about just the relationship with our community partners, um, our agencies, our congregations, and the community. Um, and and also want to ask you a little bit about what, how did 
this position of director of security for Federation come about? When did we? When did you start here at Federation? And kind of what have you seen since your since you you came on board with the Jewish community? I think I'll start with the the question about the the director position. So um, when I came on board approximately two, a little bit over two years ago, there were only, at the time, under 30 directors of security for federations across the United States. Now, there are about 140-some-odd federations, and currently there are now 45 directors of security. So just in my short tenure, there's been a significant increase in persons in my role throughout the Jewish community in North America. And are you connected to them? Are you in conversation with them? How does that work? So we actually are. We have a network, uh, National Security Directors uh, Network, and we're connected via, um, uh, actually via, via an application, an app that we communicate through. Um, we share information. So, for instance, uh, the, this week there was a shooting in Milwaukee at a Miller Coors facility that you might have heard about. That information was put out to our national directors group, even though there was no immediate Jewish nexus because it was a mass shooting. It was put out over our network, and I'm receiving those notifications sometimes before CNN is, is reporting that. If it's a local news source or a law enforcement contact that's making us aware of that information, we're then pushing that information out to the national directors. So between media sources that are available to us and, and these organizations like we have, a national directors organization, we can get that intelligence much faster and be able to look at that and make, make a decision as to whether or not that's going to impact our community. So tell me now a little bit um, about the connection with our community partners. Um, I know this is a service that the Federation provides through you to ensure that all of our agencies and congregations um, have the security needs, have their security needs met. Tell me a little bit about that relationship and partnership. Absolutely. That, that's one of the most important aspects of my job is my relationship with the community. Uh, when I started, I felt like that we needed a more formal approach to working with the community. So I began to work with the executive directors, the clerical, the the uh, rabbis, the clerical staff, the administrative staff at, at the various entities, and we determined who at that entity would be the person best suited to receive information from me and disseminate it out. So we formed what we call our community security liaison group, a very important group of key people in every Jewish organization in St. Louis that I can immediate that I can send out immediate notifications. They can be things like what we call bolos, be on the lookout. Um, there, there could be various security alerts, everything from information on the coronavirus uh, and how that might affect travelers to Israel, to other parts of the world, as well as um, information on best practices, information on threats that we perceive to be in the community. And then those people, being trusted people in their organization, get with their staff, get with the rabbinical staff, get with the administration and the board uh presidents and the boards and make determinations to how to disseminate that information to either the masses or smaller groups, uh, depending on what the information is. So that was a very important thing that we had to do right away. And that was something that, you know, really required me getting out and making my my presence known in the community. Um, I've, I've tried to do that, and I continue to do that. I think it's extremely important. And frankly, I think it's a 
incredible success. Um, I, I receive phone calls on a daily basis from every entity uh, reaching out for a myriad of uh, resources, questions, concerns, and you know we've developed that relationship. I attend most every major function for every organization. Uh, we assess security for those functions, and that's not just you know placing an officer at the function. That's actually looking at everything from parking to you know what will it be like for the people that are arriving. Uh, how will they get from their vehicle to the building? Um, how will we handle registration? What will we do about people that come in that aren't pre-registered or that don't look like they actually belong? How will we handle protest? And on and on and on, and all of these different aspects. And it really helps us to create, first of all, a relationship because those folks then, you know, they rely on that resource to help them provide a safer event. And that just really, in my mind, just really solidifies Federation's mission overall. And, you know, the the idea that one of our core commitments is to secure this community, that component alone is helping us really accomplish that mission. You know, this, all of this, the, the feeling of um, being more insecure than ever before, it, it, it really isn't new. Um, we had a synagogue attack at um, British Shalom Knesset Israel back in 1977, but it feels different today. It feels like we are less safe today than ever before. Why is that, and, and are we less safe? That is probably one of the most complicated, you know, questions that, that could be um posed today and and then attempted to be answered. I I agree that there does seem to be at least perception is that there is there is more. I can say this, there has always been anti-Semitism for as long as maybe there's recorded history. There is there's always been hate. And there's always been hate against minority groups. There's always been hate against people that don't appear to be like other groups of people, and and those things haven't gone away, whether they've gotten worse or better, unknown. I think often we focus, hyper-focus our resources on what might be considered problem of the day. In fact, post-9-11 is a prime example. I think uh, a significant amount of resources were posted and, uh, and focused on what would be considered a radical Islamic threat. And sometimes we then aren't looking at or monitoring other threats that are out there. And those can fester and they can become more prominent and uh, they can feel emboldened and all of those things. I don't want to purport to be a, a psychiatrist or someone that can make determinations as to, as to why people are doing the things they're doing. There certainly is is something in our society that is, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, maybe allowing or I wouldn't say encouraging. I don't think we're encouraging things, but certainly things are occurring out there and they seem to be occurring at a, a pretty fast pace. I can also tell you that um, as a student of history a little bit and, uh, and, and actually genealogy, you know, when I go back and do research um, on, you know, for instance, just looking for historical information. I'm often shocked to read stories in the newspapers in the 1920s and 30s um, about some pretty horrendous things that were going on. And I think we don't, I think we don't think of that, or we think of better times gone by, or things like that. 
but you know, I think I think bad is ever present. I think evil is ever present, and I think we see periods of greater or lesser evil uh, are probably cyclical. Do you think that they're accelerated due to social media? I mean, is that an accelerant that people have access to information and it gets out into the community as it's happening and and the impact of that? I, I do. I think I think a couple of things. I think, first of all, the feeling that it's all around us all the time is probably a media thing. I mean, we, we have the 24-hour news cycle. It's a lot different than waiting for your morning newspaper to have that information in front of you. It's almost impossible to drive home on the drive home or to get up in the morning on the on the drive to work and not hear literally everything that has occurred. You couple that with the fact that those stories are also going out over social media. Many of us are using apps that take that information and push it to us. So we're just getting constantly fed with, with this type of information. And that's problematic in, in terms of it's good to know what's going on. Information is sometimes power, uh, but it also can make us think that it's just nonstop. In terms of social media, I think that they're absolutely, once again, in my humble opinion, that they're absolutely as a connection to people's um, ability or let's say their uh, their willingness to say things they would never say in uh, maybe in person or in certain forums, uh, but the anonymity of it and the uh, the feeling of, of security from your maybe from your house um, allows people to say things that you know that they probably wouldn't say in the course of you know normal civil society. Sure, sure, and I and I guess it also then um, connects to what should our response be? Or should we be responding to everything that we're hearing or seeing and? And, and and how can we respond to everything, right? Can we? I think it's I think it becomes everyone's responsibility. Just like I often tell people, it would be unrealistic to think that I, Scott, personally can protect each and every person in this community. We have sixty thousand Jewish people in the St. Louis community. So, you know, it would that would be just practically impossible. So it becomes everybody's responsibility. And I think the same is true for anti-Semitism and hate. I think it's all of our responsibility, Jews and non-Jews alike, to fight these things at, at every step of the way, to to speak out against them. If you, you know, have someone at your family gatherings that, that thinks that it's okay to say things, you know, that you call them on it, that you, you know, you bring it up, that you let them know it's really not okay. And that, you know, maybe that you thought that was funny, or maybe you're not that person that would ever do anything, but but just by participating, you know, you could be encouraging someone to actually go out and, and commit a, a violent act uh, against uh, against us or against another minority. And I think we just have to stand against those kinds of things as a society so that we can hopefully beat them down. I don't I don't think evil will ever disappear from the earth. I think that's just a matter of who we are and where we fit in the scheme of things. But, you know, I think we can beat down, you know, some of these prejudices and, and things like anti-Semitism. The work uh, that you're doing in the community over the last couple of years has really met a, a, a real need for institutions, for people feeling safe and comfortable going to places of worship or into a big community space. Uh, I think in light of some of these more recent tragedies over the last couple of years, do you feel that our institutions are doing enough to keep us safe? And if not, what more could we be doing other than what you just said, that personal vigilance of 
when you see something, say something, call it out? Well, the personal vigilance is paramount. Um, I often, in fact, I end every uh, notification that I send out, every alert, every bolo, be on the lookout. Make sure I, I never knew what that meant. Make sure I make <laughs> sure I good. cover the acronyms. Thank you. Um, but you know, I, I actually end every single one of those with the phrase "Stay vigilant, stay safe," and and the reason I do that is it's ju- I just want it to be a constant reminder that it is about vigilance. Um, you know, you can spot something in a parking lot, for instance, and if we wait for it to reach the front door where the official person is that's supposed to be there to deal with it, you know, maybe that's too late. Maybe we've allowed too much. So, you know, everybody participating in the role is better. However, we are, as a community, we are taking steps to, you know, ensure and and mitigate threats and, and ensure the safety of our congregants at our synagogues for, you know, for Shabbos, at our schools for the students there, at our business entities and our social um, services entities and, and every, you know, every place in the Jewish community, we're continuously working with them to ensure best practices in, in terms of physical security, to in term, uh, ensure best practices in, in terms of reporting and, and getting information. Information is power. You know, the fact that I can put out a notification saying this individual espouses to a certain ideology, he's been known to do X, Y, Z, and here's his photo, here's the vehicle he drives, you know, all of that. And I can push that out to the 50-some-odd Jewish entities in our community. That's all of those eyes and ears keeping out an eye out for a potential problem. And we're just so much safer if we have information. I am just, I'm actually to say, I'm just so proud of the Jewish Federation of St. Louis for being so forward thinking and having you, Scott, um, on, on board, on staff for the community, not just for our building, but for the entire St. Louis Jewish community. And I know you also impact the region and there's been things you've come to because we've asked you to be there and um, ensure the safety um, uh, and security of our community. So it is, uh, it is really, um, it means so much that our, our community can, it has this investment in, in you and into the security for our community. When we first, when I was first thinking about this conversation around security, I was worried that it was going to be um, kind of from this place of fear that we have to always be fearful and on the lookout and like elevating the sense of fear in the community. And whenever I talk to you, it's not about that. It's about just being aware and knowing that we have you um, doing all this work kind of behind the scenes that we don't always see and that it is that you are in constant contact with our, our community partners and with uh, law enforcement, uh, just to have that feeling of like security is, is really, um, you know, kind of a, gives you peace of mind. And it's not from this place of fear, but this place of this is the reality of, of, of the world. So. Well, you know, if I could comment on that, um, a healthy fear there's nothing wrong with a healthy fear. Healthy fear actually motivates us to do things. So, you know, for instance, it doesn't it doesn't cause uh, paralysis where you are, you know, inhibited from doing something. It should motivate you to do more. So, you know, in terms of if we know that there are threats out there, then we just become more aware. We don't if we change our lives, if we if we put ourselves into hibernation, if we don't go out, if we don't participate, if we don't go to our houses of worship, if we don't go to our 
um, events that involve our children. We don't let our children attend things. We don't let them grow and become enriched with what, you know, society has to offer then, you know, we've lost the battle. So we we fight the battle by just being aware and by being out there, like I said, being a voice against hate, against anti-Semitism, but also, you know, going to synagogue, going to Shabbos, going to children's events and, and putting our kids into activities in the Jewish community and showing that solidarity. I think we, we stay strong, but we stay vigilant and then we'll be safer. So I think that's the way we have to look at it. And we should we should never, you know, we should never cave as a society. And, and you know, I like to, you know, say that for every person that, that doesn't feel like they can knowingly participate or actively participate in that type of thing, just know that there are people like me that are out there, many, many more people like me that are out there uh, that are actually willing to do that, that are willing to be on the on the front lines and are willing to to put our lives on the line uh, for them, and and we're constantly trying to make things better. Well, Scott, I really appreciate you being with uh, me today, and thank you so much for all that you do for our Jewish community. I really appreciate. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Karen. So before we go, we like to highlight some of the events going on in our community on Sunday, March eighth. The highly acclaimed international exhibit, Lawyers Without Rights, Jewish Lawyers in Germany under the Third Reich, will open at the Law Library Association of St. Louis in the Civil Courts Building downtown. For more information, you can contact Law Library Association Director Gail Wexler at 314-622-4470 or G. Wexler, that's G-W-E-C-H-S-L-E-R, at llastl.org. Then, the following Sunday, March 15th, Yaakov Shweiki, correct? I think that's how you pronounce his name. One of today's foremost Jewish performers is coming to St. Louis for a 7 p.m. concert sponsored by the St. Louis Kollel. The concert will be held at the Anheuser-Busch Performance Hall in Umsel's Two Hill Performing Arts Center. Tickets are, will be available online at stlkolel.com. Two of many great upcoming events you can find at jewishinstlouis.org. That's it for this episode. Please help others find us by leaving a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening to Here for Good. Here for Good.